This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 212, which is airing in late August of 2021. We're going to be talking back to school, though, with the background of COVID and particularly the Delta variant going on right now and how that is going to inform this school year and what we can all do to do our best to make sure that our children have an uninterrupted year of education that people are able to focus on their work despite this background of the pandemic going on. But we'll start with a little bit of light stuff, namely (laughs) back to school shopping. We just got an email yesterday I'm very excited about. So we've done back to school episodes for a couple of years now. And Sarah has always mentioned how awesome it is that her local public school, when her kids went there, had a fundraiser where you could buy all the pre-packaged school supplies for the individual classes. It was great. We never had that. But this year we do. Like they teamed up with Staples to do boxes for the elementary school grades. So I'm very excited about that. Possibly my kids will be less excited if they're not picking out their own pencils, but you know, whatever. We'll, We'll focus that energy on back to school clothes shopping, right? 
mean, Sarah, are you doing much back to school shopping these days? It's so funny because we're we're flipped because now the school that the kids are going to does not have the boxes. So we all piled in the car and went to Target. And I actually, I handed each kid their, well, not Genevieve, but I handed Annabelle and Cameron their list and kind of helped. They walked around and, and like found all the stuff. And I think they had fun doing it. I also, like we were at the mall and I allowed Annabelle to splurge and buy a Kate Spade pencil case, which I kind of covet. Um, so we had a lot of fun doing back to school supply shopping this year. I, we don't really get to do the clothes shopping because our school is uniform only, but they were kind of excited when even the uniform clothing arrived from Land's End and Gap, you know, I had to buy all the bottoms and stuff. The, the shirts come from like the uniform company, but um, yeah, that's been our, we're, we're fully prepped. We've got new backpacks locked and loaded. I'm trying to really enjoy the parts of back to school that I typically enjoy, even with other stressors going on at the same time. And you've been buying yourself school supplies <laughs> through this. Well, that's okay. First of all, I always basically year round buy myself what one might consider school supplies. And it tends to be like the more angsty I feel, the more shipments are headed to my house. And right now I have a jet pens order in as well as an Erin Condren order in so that says something. (laughs) We can gauge the stress level by uh, how many different stationary type stores are getting Sarah's business. But you guys have some easier logistics this year. I mean, this is one of the few years this is going to happen, but you have all three kids in one school, correct? Yes. You said it was one of the few years. So actually our school goes to eighth grade. So if I, if we end up sticking with it, I have potentially five years where this could happen, which is very awesome. And part of why we did this, it is one drop off one pickup. You do have to, the school is like made up of little individual buildings. So you do have to kind of go around each circle and drop off each kid separately, especially with COVID. They do the whole temp check thing and everything. There's not, it's not like we get to dump them all off at the (laughs) the front door, but still it is a million times easier than what we were doing previously. And I'm just really excited for that logistics aspect of it. Yeah. Plus if there's a lot of, I mean, if individual small buildings, the lines for any of them couldn't be too long. It can be one of these things that's out blocking traffic like a mile down the highway or some ridiculousness. Correct. So I think I had mentioned that the elementary school Annabelle was going to previously, it's a wonderful school and it's close to our house, but the carpool line was like 30 minutes. So this other school is farther from our house, but a much, much, much easier drop-off. And it is directly on my way to work and near one of the hospitals that Josh works at. So it's, again, it was, there was a lot of logistics in our decision-making as I think is warranted. (laughs) Um, And so just excited about that. Yeah. I mean, our logistics are going in the opposite direction. We have three different schools that we are in this year with different start times, stop times, because one's a high school, one's a middle school, one's an elementary school. And so by the nature of public school busing, they have staggered start times because, you know, you need to run the same buses for the different schools. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, I am going to say the default will probably be the school bus just because it's going to, otherwise, I, I don't see how we could even do pickups for everybody or drop-offs. It's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the logistics. And we'll see how it goes. But, you know, with everything, you figure it out. You get kids to their stuff. You 
work out a schedule and a routine that works and it doesn't have to be perfect on day one, but the routine will get there eventually. And, you know, we're trying to be excited about it too, because, you know, it's fun to start school and see your friends again and start new classes, especially, you know, the kids going into middle school and high school have a lot of choice over what courses they are taking. And that has some cool elements for being excited about the school process and learning because you're getting to direct more of your learning. And that's a pretty cool thing. I can't remember if this is your oldest first year of high school or second. Yeah, it's his first first. year of high school. Yeah, I remember like looking at like the high school, like course choices and being like, wow, this is so cool. That's so exciting for him. It is. It is. And Sam's going to one year of the old middle school, the one that Jasper went to for three years. And then our district is opening a new middle school and Sam and Ruth will be at that in another year that they went ahead and decided normally when people open a school, they do it one grade at a time, but our district has decided to just fully open it. (laughs) And uh, so that's, you know, going to be good that the two of them will be at this new school together, but it's like a school that doesn't even exist at the moment. So we'll see how this all plays out. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it and looking forward to having Alex start his, you know, going to our local public elementary school. He was supposed to start last year and then we didn't because we weren't sure that things would be opening in person. And so we put him in a private school that was going to open in person. But I mean, it looks like things are opening in person for the fall. So let's hope we stick with that. So that introduces our COVID version of of back to school. Sarah, you guys, I I mean, in Florida, it's just the case numbers are are crazy right now, right? We're recording this mid-August. And so maybe I'll be super optimistic. And in 10 days when this records, we'll be in a better place. I don't know. There is a lot, lot, lot of COVID down here right now to the point where our hospitals are back in kind of crisis mode again, not able to do the regular surgeries that would be taking place. You know, my husband's hospital, they converted the cafeteria into a COVID unit. They're worried about like daily oxygen deliveries and whether we're going to have enough for the whole hospital system. Like it's, it's pretty bad. And the good news is that still, even with Delta, most children are not getting severely ill from COVID. And I remain grateful for that every day both as a parent and for my patients. The number is a little bit more than zero, though. And I guess, you know, everyone's going to have to enter the school year knowing that there's a chance your kids might get COVID and that they're probably going to do fine with it. But there are a few kids who do get sick from it. Just to like, I'm not going to give very specific numbers, but like our hospital has, I don't know, Well, I don't care. I'll give numbers because by the time this airs, they'll be very old numbers. But around 10 pediatric inpatients with COVID-related illnesses and the larger hospital to the south of us has about 30. So it's not zero. And so I'm entering this year with like cautious optimism and trepidation. And I selfishly am probably a little bit more worried about multiple quarantines than I am. I don't know about to say selfishly, but than I am about my kids getting COVID in part because they're healthy and they're fairly young. And they had it before. (laughs) But everyone's entering the year, I think, a little more anxious than we've ever been before, maybe even more so than past COVID years, just because at least down here, I think when we had the 2020 surge, well, I guess the schools were opening virtually. So it's just a little bit different. It's pretty much all anyone's talking about. And it's stressful. Yeah. 
And I mean, you know, but again, we always want to, you know, keep risks in mind as, you know, we have to weigh risks as our, our previous guest, Emily Oster would say. I mean, you know, kids will be, some will be hospitalized for COVID. Your risks are probably higher of that if you have pre-existing conditions, right? That those yes. are the things that are the children who are more likely to have, you know, bad effects from COVID. Often there's a co, whatever, I'm sorry, I don't know the word. Yeah, comorbidity or co-occurring condition. I will say that the biggest theme for those hospitalized, at least down here right now, are teens who could have been eligible for vaccination as well as uh, who are unvaccinated and also obesity seems to be a really salient risk factor for older kids. Yeah. And, you know, there's, it's obviously very scary. There have been other things, of course, kids have been hospitalized for too. I know we've brought my kids to the ER with RSV in the past. So there are still, you know, risks for this. There have been risks for other things as well. We want to make sure we're always evaluating all of them, though, of course, Sarah and I are vaccinated and I vaccinated my 14-year-old. He is fully vaccinated and has been for months. And as soon as Sam turns 12, like we will be in the clinic the next day. That's how pro-vaccine we are here, that we really do believe that it is the best way to fight this pandemic and how we can get back to normal. And so if people are you know, thinking about it, if uh, probably a lot of our listeners are vaccinated, but if you have not done that yet, thinking about the upcoming school year, please go do it. Get your kids who are 12 years or older vaccinated as well. I mean, Sarah, if you had a 12-year-old, you would do it, right? Absolutely. And I plan to do it, you know, to give my kids the vaccine as soon as they are eligible. You know, to those who have been hesitant in the past, this is just maybe a reasonable time to to just look at things again, just because there may be factors, you know, we're now dealing with a slightly more contagious version. We're seeing a little bit more in kids. We're really seeing more of it in the unvaccinated. And the vaccine's been out for a little bit longer. So that might ease some people's comfort level if they want to look at data. Adverse effects can occur, but they are quite, quite rare. So just, you know, an invitation if this is something you weren't quite ready for before, it's okay to reevaluate and look at things now because I think it's kind of more and more obvious that it's number one, protective of our kids overall, and number two, kind of the right thing to do. Because as these kids may be spreading it more in schools, and I do think that's inevitable, and we're going to get to that next, you know, they could bring it home to vulnerable family members, maybe somebody who's immunosuppressed and took the vaccine, but it didn't, you know, take full effect. And so whatever we can do to perhaps lower that burden, I think is, is helpful. And some good news that we got over the past few days, which is probably helpful for a lot of our listeners, if you are pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant in the next few months, that the CDC is now recommending that pregnant women do get vaccinated, that there is no increased risk of miscarriages in the first 20 weeks, and that women who do get COVID while they are pregnant are at increased risk of adverse events, including preterm births and and other such complications. So that on the margin, you know, that was something I know that some people who hadn't gotten vaccinated, that was because that they were looking to expand their family in the next few months. And that is completely understandable. And I feel like that has not been brought up enough in the, the vaccination discussion that, for, of course, pregnant women are concerned about putting anything new into their bodies, and especially when it is, you know, emergency authorized. But they have been doing the research now, and I think that is very compelling. And so, um, you know, hopefully people will keep that in mind as well. So we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we're going to come back and talk about practical things we can do to get through this school year 
given some of the background and you know, of COVID and the issues that will cause in schools. So we'll be back right after this outbreak. All right, well, we are back talking about back to school um, with the background of pandemic COVID here for a third school year and what that is going to wind up meaning. So I think, you know, what we we want to talk through scenario planning, because while a lot of the, the politics and the loudest voices are talking about mask mandates and what district has it and if they're defying their governor or what have you, the masks are going to wind up being less relevant for what is going on, you know, than the quarantines, which is what is going to wind up happening and disrupting in other school years. So Sarah, what what is your school's quarantine policy like that you are looking at here? I actually don't know, to be completely honest. It previously was very strict in that not only if your child is in a class and they were wearing masks, at least indoors, all the entire class would be out for like 10 days. I don't think they were doing 14 days. I think it was around 10 days. And they were also quarantining siblings of the exposed. So for example, if Annabelle was masked in a classroom with a kid who got sick, then not only could Annabelle not go to school for the next week, but neither could Cameron or Genevieve. So that's pretty strict. I don't know if that is going to be the policy this year. I've not seen anything specific to that recommended by the CDC. I know everyone listening to this is going to say, oh, I, either I wish my school had that or, oh my gosh, that is completely beyond. So, you know, opinions may vary. I, I wish we could maybe, you know, just being editorializing a little bit of a middle ground would probably make me happier. But that's maybe where we are. They haven't released new guidelines for this year. So I'm not entirely sure. And even though, <laughs> Laura, I know the mass stuff is distracting, but it's also frustrating because, um, there's so much uncertainty. Like if you read the headlines with Broward School District, which is the public school district we were in, again, we're, we're in a private school, but I think they tend to align because we're in Broward County. It was like, school recommends masks. Governor does not allow masks. School's going to defy the governor. Governor's going to withhold the salaries. School's going to go along with the governor. No, they're not. There's a GoFundMe. For, I mean, it is like when you're in it, <laughs> it, it, it may be irrelevant, but it is very hard to ignore. So I guess we will see what happens. But I will also admit that I do plan on sending my children in masks to school. They're very used to wearing them. I am not planning to send them in N95 masks or KN95 masks because I personally find those incredibly uncomfortable and do not feel that it is realistic to ask my children to wear that all day. And I think it could backfire into them wearing no mask (laughs) when I'm not watching them. So just regular cloth, comfortable or disposable masks. They'll be going in every day. And I am more anxious for the quarantines than anything else, in part because our policy is quite strict. And, you know, we do have a nanny for that reason. And she's great. But, you know, part of me is even nervous that she'll at some point kind of lose her patience if she's having to basically homeschool again, which was terrible for our family. Yeah. I mean, I think our district is going to have masks required from what I've been reading. And the reason is not because of so much masks, you know, whatever the data may be on them or not on them, it's because it will allow them to limit the quarantines because then somebody won't be a close contact 
if they have been wearing a mask around someone. Because the the definition is like unmasked for 15 minutes with somebody who has contracted COVID. So if you have the mask, then you can avoid the quarantine of children who most likely don't have it, but who were around the person who did. Which the scenario planning we want people to work with here is you could get a call from your school and saying, if you know you have a quarantine policy like Sarah's does, your kids can't come in for 10 days. What are you going to do with that? Now, hopefully there will be virtual options for the kids to keep learning, but I'm not sure that every district will do that. You know, they, they've committed to in-person school now. They may not have the setup for doing virtual. So now you've just lost 10 days of learning and you as a family need to figure out the childcare arrangements. So hard thing to think about, but got to think about it. What are you going to do when this happens? What is your backup childcare? Can you or your partner stay home with your kids? How are you going to stay on top of what is going on in the curriculum so that you are able to do some of that stuff when that inevitably happens so that the kids don't get too far behind? I would say another good thing a lot of districts are doing for older children is that if you are vaccinated, you can avoid the quarantine which again, then you're not missing school. So that may be another nudge if you have adolescents to get the vaccine for them because then they won't miss as much school. And certainly missing school when you are over 12, you are, you know, there's a lot more that you're not getting. I mean, it's obviously annoying to have young kids at their home that you've got to watch and all that, but it's a little less of, you know, the stuff that is going to really be hard for uh, Sarah's. Sarah's making a face. At me. Uh, I get it. I get it. I mean, because kids, the truth is, need to learn yeah, they stuff have to too. learn to yeah. read. I mean, like that's you have a kid. You're lucky because your youngest, who was affected during this time, well, he was able to go in person, and he's a great reader. Like it's been easy for him. Yeah, it's hard for me to know. You know, in our house, we have some struggles with that, and it may have happened. It may have been just as much of a struggle without the pandemic, but I'll never know, and I can't tell, and I. What I do observe is that like literally sometimes it looks like online learning is zero learning. And if you're getting farther and farther behind as a young child, one might argue that that's worse (laughs) than if you can at least already kind of read and reason. And maybe you'll, maybe instead of learning calculus, you'll like dive into like Greek mythology and do something else useful. Like these foundational skills, missing out on them combined with the fact that some kids just do so poorly with screen learning, I think is, is just as bad. Yeah, they're both bad. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. And I I agree that especially for young kids, virtual learning is, is often really, really tough. And for some kids more than others, we've mentioned in the past that Alex's private kindergarten class was all little boys because guess who did not want to attempt virtual learning with their active little boys, that there were there was a definite element of this that some of the six and seven-year-old girls were better able to sit and pay attention. And I, I don't like gender stereotypes, but I can tell you that that is what happened with our school. It's a gender average. Gender, gender average. average. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm curious, what are, what are you going to do then? I mean, if you, because you, you think about these things, right, Sarah? So, I mean, what advice do you have for our listeners if people are, you know, facing a situation where you are concerned about a child potentially getting behind and there could be, long quarantines. I mean, what are you planning on? We've already had to do some things. I mean, we have a a reading tutor that we're working with sometimes some of it in person and some of it via Zoom because one-on-one via Zoom is a little bit different than an entire class via Zoom. And also we found that an outsider is better than a parent sometimes. 
with certain things or, you know, that may be unique to our family or maybe just be that my husband and I are not good tutors, but uh, <laughs> whatever it may be, uh, that's that's been helpful. So I could see the expanding that supplemental help in the future if needed. You know, again, we do have a full-time nanny, so we will lean on her likely during some of these quarantine periods. You know, at some point she could burn out. And I think if it became dire, I would think about also like hiring like a college student to maybe come in for a few hours and do some tutoring, particularly for Cameron so that she can entertain Genevieve and Annabelle is, is pretty independent. So yeah, I've certainly thought through a lot of this. I mean, there's always that catastrophizing that happens where I'm like, screw it, I'm just going to quit <laughs> my job. <laughs> but then I think about that and it doesn't make any sense. And it also wouldn't no. be very nice to my colleagues and patients who really continue to need medical care. So we will not be doing that, but it sometimes crosses my mind. So if that's also you, you're normal. Yeah, you're normal. And it's, it is so stressful. The way I'm thinking about what the quarantines that people are going to be dealing with this year, it's like having a baby in daycare during the winter is how I'm thinking about it. Because the first year that when Jasper was a baby and we went through the first winter in daycare, it was literally five weeks out of about three or four months that he was not able to attend. And that is a pretty hard burn rate to sustain as a working parent of a coverage of, you know, needing to have your kid at home during this time and figure out, well, how can I keep advancing in my career? How can I even meet the basic expectations of my job when I have these sudden absences that can be extended. You don't know how long they'll be. That can happen very suddenly and that are, are hard to cope with. So, you know, I think it's just make sure you got backup plans. Make sure you've thought about what you're going to do. Make sure you've had a family conversation. If there are two of you, how you plan to split, hopefully not, but if they do happen, the extended periods at home, if there is professional support from elsewhere you can bring in, whether that's other family members or hired caregivers like a nanny, a sitting service, a backup sitting service of people who are obviously fully vaccinated because they wouldn't want to be around potential exposures otherwise. But you know, just what you're going to do, whether you can work from home, like what sort of scenario you can set up with your manager to possibly have extended periods of working from home suddenly if it needs to happen. And if you are in a job that does not allow for that, you need to figure something out because it could totally happen. And I want to just give my feeling like I really wish this wasn't happening for a third school year in a row. And it is so frustrating. And I feel like what parents have been through over the past few years is, is just so much uh, rough rough. We can all just sympathize together that we have all been through this. And obviously some people have had it much worse than others, but it hasn't been easy for anyone. So we want to just give a note of encouragement for everyone as we're going into this school year to think about what can go wrong, but also try to be as upbeat as you can to give the kids some element of normalcy and make it feel like as much of an adventure as you can, even if there are so many things that are so tough right now. Yeah, the whole one day at a time. And I think looking forward rather than back is really helpful right now. I, of course, am very pro-vaccine as we've discussed, but I 
think I'm tired of hearing people say preventable. I mean, who cares? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We don't even know. It's not really relevant to what we're dealing with now. And I think it does take away from like, you know what? Be grateful for the fact that we still are starting school. Be grateful for every day and take one day at a time and kind of focus on strategizing and moving forward. And I'm preaching to myself because I was very much stuck in a spiral, but I think the more that kind of like the early days in the pandemic, we can just zoom into each day and celebrate the good things and be safe within reason, the better off we're all going to be. Exactly. All right. Well, on that note, let's go to our listener Q&A part of this episode. So did you want to take this one or did you? Yes, because I want you to answer it because I don't have <laughs> I don't have as many thoughts as you do. All right, well, why don't you read it then? Sure. I like this phrase. My question is, should I leave my gilded cage but stagnant job? I have 15 years of work experience, including five years at a top management consultancy and an MBA from a top school. I work at a large organization in organizational development, middle management, which is my preferred field. The big pros at my job are that I have amazing work-life balance, very good pay, and very little stress. I enjoy my coworkers and overall are very comfortable and able to handle my mom responsibilities, which is wonderful. The problem is that our company is shrinking and promotion opportunities are very few and far between. We are also going back to the office, which is a huge negative due to my long commute and will significantly impact my work-life balance. I have some flexibility, but not as much as I prefer. At my company, I'm considered a great performer, but fairly green with only only, in quotes, 15 years of experience. Most likely, it would be another five years before I was up for promotion to an executive level. I fear that staying at the company will stagnate me and my skill growth and make me less marketable. I don't want to lose out on future potential income or career growth, but I also recognize I have a pretty good setup. I would appreciate your insights. Yeah. Well, this is a good question, and we get a version of this one a lot. I feel like we've been doing a lot of best of both worlds, frequently asked questions lately which is that, you know, people have worked really hard to get to a place of good work-life balance. And that's great, but life is not built on work-life balance alone. And sometimes people start saying, well, you know, I'm still an ambitious person. I want to figure out what to do with myself. And yes, I can handle all my responsibilities, but I would like to be challenged too. So my general thought is that there is zero downside to looking around for other opportunities. There is no law against job hunting, especially now. There are probably a lot of opportunities out there. We keep hearing about, you know, how many people are trying to scale up hiring and and are having trouble doing so, the perks that people are offering. It's good to look and see what's out there. And this is true for everyone. There is zero downside to looking around, to boosting your network with the goal of seeing what is out there. So what I would recommend this person do is really start working through your contacts, have those lunches, have those coffees, call the people you haven't talked to in a while, figure out what's going on in your industry, which organizations are scaling up or maybe related industries that you might find interesting. As you see what is out there, as you see what is available, as you see what you might be qualified for, you might decide that what you have is awesome and you want to stick with it. But you also might decide to try something else. It is also always possible that you will get a job with even more work-life balance and even better pay. And that's more exciting. Like you, you don't know. People haven't optimized for everything in their jobs because we tend to take what job we see. 
and that is convenient, and that is being offered at the time we are looking, which means it's highly unlikely that it is perfect on every dimension except one, right? (laughs) So it's always possible that you will find a even better job. I would also say that you don't know for sure that you won't get promoted with your own organization too. I mean, people can often just assume things and not say anything. But if it is a goal of yours to move up the ladder, then have a conversation with your manager and say like, listen, I would like to be challenged more. I would like to have more responsibilities. Here are some things I've thought about doing. What do you think of any of this? And your manager might say, hey, that sounds great. Yes, go do that. Or they might say, hey, by the way, did you know that Joe is retiring next week? And they're like, his job is coming up. Now that I know you're interested in it, let's talk about whether it would be a good fit for you. You know, you just don't know until you have this conversation. So there's no downside. Go ahead and have it. Go ahead and look around. You may not decide to rock the boat at all, but you may decide to. And maybe, you know, give yourself a couple of months to figure this out and we'll see how it goes. Love it. (laughs) I don't have much to add to that one. I think that was, I just liked your answer. Great answer. And I hope this listener gets back to us maybe in a couple of months and lets us know what she does. What she does, stay in the gilded cage or find something else. All right, so our love of the week. Mine is going to be morning runs. I don't run in the morning all that often in the early morning because it's just hard with a baby who wakes up early and sort of is trading off with Michael. I often want to sleep during my trade-off part of the morning. But this morning, I got up, went for a run. I went past this beautiful mist over a field. It was just gorgeous. And it was only 70 degrees. It'll be 95 by the middle of the day. But running in 70 degrees with the mist was just so nice. It was a great way to start the day. And yes, I'm tired because I didn't get enough sleep last night. But maybe I'll take a nap later and then I could get my nap and the run in the morning. So that's that's my love of the week. Oh, I wish we had any time of the day here that you could run in 70 degrees. It's not possible because it never gets to 70 degrees, <laughs> sadly. All right. Well, my love of the week is... So you know how you'll have like a phone background, then you leave it there for like three years and you realize you have a picture of like your two-year-old and they're actually five and blah, blah, blah. Well, I had subscribed to some email newsletters and I think it was like the simplified one. And she's like, I have a summer free phone background. And I was like, why not? So I put it on for summer. It was this cute little summer wave scene. It was aqua. It was very nice. And then August hit and I got another newsletter from a different person. This one was from Inkwell Press, who we had on the Tanya Dalton on the podcast a couple of years ago. And I put on her calendar as the background, the free thing. And it's, you know, these free ones are are polished and pretty because some designer made them. And I just think I might be like a seasonal phone background person now. It's kind of fun. Yeah. No, I didn't change mine for years. And then, you know, last spring I put on a nice flowery scene and I'm enjoying looking at that. Um, but I guess, yes, I should change it again at some point. You, know, you, you can look do at like it. autumn leaves when yeah. it turns to I mean, fall. Well, you look at it so many times a day. It can it, You know, if you put something inspiring, it could actually affect your mood, which would be kind of cool. So something to think about. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been talking going back to school during the time of COVID. We are wishing all the best for our listeners. Happy and healthy school year with lots of good things, even if there will be some challenges. So we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Thank you.
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.